Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts. You can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Smash underscore ASD. I'll turn it over to our moderator, Matthew, now as we welcome our podcast guest, Brett uh, Blavins. Yes, this is Matthew, and I see Brent has just joined us. Brent, if you can do us a favor, put yourself on mute when you're not talking. That'd be uh, that'd be great. Just put yourself on mute. Um, so here's the deal. Here, uh, this is the longest running independent ACC podcast in the country. This is Matthew, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at Smash underscore ASD. You can follow our site. Twitter account at at um, at All Sports DACC. This is the podcast for All Sports discussion. This is the longest running independent ACC podcast in the United States, and we're happy as hell to have a return guest on our podcast tonight. In Brent Blevins, Brent, welcome back to the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We're happy to have you back. Matthew, Jeff, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me, guys, as always. Always love the content you produce. So, Brent, for our listeners, please tell us about yourself. Uh, I am a uh, native of Southwest Virginia. I actually grew up about an hour from Blacksburg, Virginia. I went to Virginia Tech. I am a three-time graduate of Virginia Tech. While I was there, I was a manager of the men's basketball team. Uh, We were... Uh, we went from the Atlantic 10 to the Big East, so uh, pre-ACC days, but we were always following what was happening in the ACC. So now I live in the uh, D.C. area, Matthew, and I love following ACC sports. So again, a pleasure to be here. So let's get right, in, right, right to it. We're, we're happy you're back here, Brent. Uh, which ACC football team was the most disappointing team in Week 5, and which ACC team was the most impressive team in, in, in week six? Well, I certainly uh, don't want to pander to uh, one of our co-hosts, uh, Jeff, but I have to say that a team that is a three-touchdown favorite and loses in prime time as a ranked team to Georgia Tech is probably the most uh, disappointing team. And, of course, I'm referring to Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, you have to give Georgia Tech a lot of credit. They seem to come out... Uh, they were playing loose. Uh, they were uh, they, they were playing as though they had nothing to lose. Something we haven't seen in uh, earlier this season, or frankly, in the last few years. Uh, they really, I, you know, they, they we saw something we have not seen in a while from a Georgia Tech team. Uh, but that that has to be on Pittsburgh, though. Uh, you know, they'd had a tough loss previously to Tennessee. That's completely understandable. But again, to and I know that the crowd at um, Akershire, I think it's, I'm saying that right, uh, whatever the new Heinz Field is, I know that it's not necessarily the uh, toughest atmosphere in the ACC for a night game, but still, you've got you have to win those games, and I so therefore they're the most disappointing team. I was very impressed by Wake Forest yesterday. Uh, they went into they went to Tallahassee against a ranked Florida State team. Uh, Florida State scored opening drive. They scored I I think it was a little over a minute. Took a seven nothing lead, 
and Wake just took over from there. Uh, you know, they built a 21-7 uh, lead at halftime, and they just, you know, they, they kept their foot on the gas. And what was, what, obviously, going on the road in ACC and winning is always impressive. I, I believe that was the first time Wake had won in Tallahassee since 2008. But not only that, uh, you know, this was, uh, they were coming off a very tough loss about Clemson. And sometimes when you have just a tough, devastating loss like that, you, sometimes you have a hangover effect. Wake didn't, Wake didn't let that happen. They came in, they did what they had to do, and they held forth. So uh, I was very impressed by Wake's performance yesterday. Well said, Brent. Well said. Jeff, you're up. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Um, all right, Brent. Uh, really good comments there on the disappointing and impressive teams in, in week six. And, um, you know, just a comment, you know, for, for Georgia Tech, I mean, it, it did come out of the blue for sure. And, um, you know, I thought, I, I thought Pitt was past these kind of performances. Uh, that was something that, that was kind of a hallmark of Pat Narduzzi uh, earlier in his career there at Pittsburgh. They were capable of beating or losing to anybody they played and, you know, were just you know, all over the place, one week looking like a top 10 team and then the next week losing to someone they, you know, absolutely had no business losing to. And, and, and you know, even though I'm, I'm hoping and kind of looking to see if Georgia Tech showed an improvement, you know, it certainly is not anything you would have expected. And they, they just came out flat as a pancake in that game. I mean, it wasn't until the last three or four minutes that, that Pittsburgh kind of got that look like, hey, we could really lose this game. And and you made a great point. Georgia Tech looked like the, the looser team in that game. And then also totally agree with you about, um, you know, Wake Forest. I mean, they just went down to Tallahassee and just really took care of business against a pretty good Florida State team that had been that had been playing pretty, pretty well. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think it, I, I think you're right. I mean, about Pitt, I, we've. You know, Pitt has, even last year, you know, when they won the ACC, I mean, they had that, you know, bad loss to Western Michigan, but then they come back, they, you know, they beat Tennessee on the road, and, you know, we kind of saw, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing that pattern repeat itself. It may still be good enough to win the Coastal this year. I, obviously, this is a another Coastal chaos season, but it... it I think you're exactly right. We thought that, you know, Narduzzi had been there long enough. We'd established enough consistency in the program. It's clearly not the case, though. Yeah, absolutely. A great job by, by Brent Key, you know, basically in five days preparing Georgia Tech for that game and, and instantly uh, improving the special teams, which had been a complete disaster under his predecessor and made four field goals. It didn't have a block punt. So, you know, a great effort from Georgia Tech, but yeah, Pitt, Pitt was Pitt was completely flat, and now, like you said, uh, the, and we'll probably get into it a little bit more. The, the coastal is completely wide open now because I, I thought it was Pitts to lose uh, the rest of the way out. Um, you know, as we get into this uh, schedule, Brent, uh, you know what what ACC football games are you looking forward to the most in Week Six? There are a couple of games that kind of catch my eye a little bit uh there is 
So on the coastal side, there is UNC at Miami uh, next week. Uh, that's a four o'clock kickoff. I think if you had asked about this a couple weeks ago, you know, we would have thought, wow, this could be uh, the top two teams in the coastal, perhaps. Uh, and it may well be. Who knows? Uh, both teams have had a couple of tough losses since then. Carolina to Notre Dame. Miami's had a couple of uh, unfortunate losses, you know, to App State and to Texas A&M. But uh, both teams are going into this, you know, undefeated in the in the conference. Uh, so right now, I, I think they're probably, uh, uh, you know, so obviously at this point, and again, we're, you know, in early October, they have a potential leg up on the rest of the division. I think what makes this matchup interesting is we don't know which team will show up. Um, Miami at their best, you know, we know they're very, we know, I won't say they're very talented, but we know they have talent at certain positions. Uh, But, uh, but they also have a lot of holes. Same thing with UNC. We know offensively they're good. They had a good defensive performance against Virginia Tech yesterday. I don't know if that's very telling at all. So I really have no idea how this matchup is going to turn out. It's at Miami, but we know that, again, home field at uh, Hard Rock Stadium is not necessarily very telling. On the Atlantic side, we have Florida State at NC State. Uh, Both teams are coming off tough losses and both you know both losses were very defensible again florida state losing to wake which is you know a a very solid uh very solid team nc state losing at clemson uh so i'm really curious to see how these teams bounce back uh it it could go either way this is a pretty even matchup nc state probably has a slight edge but this could really go either way so you know one matchup from each division All right, great comments there. Um, yeah, Matthew, you have a comment here. So, I mean, Duke is playing Georgia Tech next week, and I think, by all accounts, they have a pretty good chance to win that. Would you Would you agree, Je- Jeff and Brent? And what's interesting is that if they do win, they're going to be five and one. And how many of us had Georgia had uh, Duke, Duke? Excuse me, five and one at season's midpoint, Brent. Well, I, uh, I, I think if that was uh, one of your parlays, I think you're uh, doing pretty well right now, right? Um, uh, no, uh, you have to give. Well, actually, and if you had said that the one loss, if they were five and one, was to be were to be to Kansas. I think that would be even more improbable, right? Uh, so yeah, I, I you know I, I think we'll probably get to this later, you know, discussing the job that Mike Elko has done at Duke. But my goodness, um, I think this, you know, after this uh, past week, after last night's uh, Georgia Tech win, it's probably a little less certain. But I'm really that that is absolutely going to be an exciting game. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, that game suddenly looks a lot more intriguing uh, than it did uh, the week before. And I mean, when you were looking at the beginning of the year, you know, you you thought that would be a, a matchup of of the two worst teams in the a- ACC, and and Duke is definitely. Uh, I mean, if they beat Georgia Tech, 
and um you know even if north carolina wins i mean they 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 you have to put them in the contender seat in the acc coastal and and if they win and north carolina loses for example uh to miami uh i i still think you look at them uh as a as a co-favorite at the moment with with miami um but then again a week ago i thought okay duke you know tremendously improved um they're gonna they're gonna roll into Atlanta, take care of business, and and we saw what Georgia Tech did last night. So that that game went from way off the radar to suddenly pretty intriguing. Um, you, you don't know with Georgia Tech if it was just kind of a one game, you know, rally one for the rally one for the new coach and 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 Pitt just being uh, super flat. But uh, yeah, that's that becomes a very interesting, a very interesting game now. All right, um, Brent, looking at that ACC schedule again, which ACC team could be on upset alert in week six if they are looking ahead to a game on their schedule or otherwise just sleepwalking on the field? So I I actually am going to go back to NC State, and I know they're not a huge favorite. It looks like the early line is they're favored by three and a half, but I if I were an NC State fan, I would be worried uh, about what I was talking about with Wake Forest, where sometimes if you lose a tough game and it's kind of demoralizing, sometimes you let the same opponent beat you twice, essentially. And so I'd be worried that the carryover effect from the Clemson loss is, you know, you're, you're facing a tough Florida State team. You know, Florida State's one loss is to Wake. Nothing to be ashamed of there. Uh, you know, they have a dynamic quarterback. Uh, they can put points on the board. I would be very concerned if I were NC State, if you're if you're not locked in. And certainly you can't sort of write off the Atlantic. Yeah, lot, still lots of season to play. So I, I would be very concerned if I were NC State. And we were just talking about Duke and Georgia Tech. Duke is a favorite going into Georgia Tech. They're also a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I think, you know, Jeff, you're exactly right. I mean, we have no idea. Maybe it's just a one-time effect from, you know, Brent Key stepping in and think, you know, players, you know, they finally have that cloud over their head being gone from, you know, the Jeff Collins era. And, and maybe that was just a one-time effect. But maybe, you know, there are going to be more fans at Bobby Dodd Stadium this week. And maybe, again, that, 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 that carryover effect of just playing looser and, you know, you, you don't have anything to lose at this point. That may carry over. And if you're Duke, which, again, is not a huge favorite, but still they've been playing good ball and they've lost to a you know, top 20 team in Kansas, you should be worried if you're Duke. This is not going to be an easy game now, even if, you know, 48 hours ago, you're like, okay, well, that, 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 could, be, that could be our fifth win. So a couple teams who need to be on the lookout there. All right, good stuff, good stuff there, Brent. Um, let, let's chat about the ACC coaches now that we're a month into the season. You know, and several you know high-profile teams have made changes uh, around the country. You talked about Georgia Tech with 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 Jeff Collins and and Brent Key coming in as interim coach. Um, you know, what's your take on on the coaches? Who, who came into the season on, on the hot seat. How are the new guys doing? 
Yeah, this is, it's really interesting. I mean, obviously Georgia Tech has already sort of made their move. Uh, they have, uh, you know, they've, you know, they promoted Brent Key. I think it, it'll be really interesting to kind of see what plays out here. Um, if Georgia Tech keeps, you know, if they can steal another game or two and they're playing, you know, competitive, you know, competitive ball, I th- it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that position. The Georgia Tech administration, I, I, I think, clearly wants to make a splash with their next hire, but you know, if, if we see a, you know, if we see a solid performance here, you know, Brent Key may make it tough to, to let him go. I mean, I know Jeff, you can speak a lot more to that than I can, but I. Th- I don't think any of us had Georgia Tech going on the road and being a top 25 team at night, of course. And so with that in mind, uh, you know, we'll, you know, so we, so we know that Georgia Tech, uh, you know, there's, their situations open. So Syracuse, that was, that was one of the situations that uh, we knew, uh, you know, could potentially, you know, see a change this year. Five and zero. I mean, my goodness, they ran a, uh, 10-minute quarters yesterday against Wagner in the second half. I, I, they have seven games left, uh, you know, and they're currently ranked number 22. I guess it's possible if they lose the final seven games, you know, Dino, uh, Dino could be in trouble, but that doesn't seem very likely. So I'm going to, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think he's safe. Uh, he made a great choice. You know, he hired uh, Robert Anay, uh, you know, the former. UVA offensive coordinator in the off season who had, you know, who UVA had set several school records with him last year. Great decision. Uh, you, you, you see that, you know, that, that you know, they're, they're so, they're so much more potent offensively. So, you know, barring anything catastrophic, he's probably fine. Louisville's an interesting case. I, if, if Georgia Tech had not gone into Pittsburgh and won last night, they, I, I think they probably would have been the most disappointing team in the ACC yesterday. Uh, yeah, they went into Boston College and kind of laid an egg. They, you know, they gave up a lay field goal. They lost. Uh, they dropped 0-3 in the ACC. That was, you know, that that's pretty bad. Uh, I mean, I... <laughs> I say this all due respect to Boston College and and you know the BC listeners tonight, but if if that team had only won one ACC game or had gone winless, I don't think there are a lot of people who'd be shocked. And again, this is sort of a recurring pattern for Louisville, and so I think you know that 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 does nothing to help Scott Satterfield's situation. He does have a top twenty recruiting class, and that may that may well be enough to buy him another season but if they keep losing games like that I don't know that it will matter so I don't so I think those are the coaches who you know we knew coming in were facing various uh, degrees of hotness of their seat so that you guys uh you know we've already talked about Duke uh, Mike Elko has done a tremendous job my goodness four and one with the chance to get five and one and if they can get to five and one this coming weekend then you it seems very probable they'll get another win somewhere down the line, and they're going to go to a bowl game. And given the last, I, I, uh, you know, Duke last went to a bowl game in 2018, I believe, that is tremendous progress for that program. And he's recruiting pretty well. Uh, their their recruiting class is currently uh, 
35th or 36th in the country, which for Duke is, you know, very, you know, a pretty highly rated class. So, you know, kudos to him. I think if there were an ACC, uh, you know, coach of the, you know, I, I think if there were a race for the ACC coach of the year at this point, it would be between Mike Elko, you know, and Dino Babers. And uh, I don't know, we'll see how that plays out. But I think those two, again, a month into the season are in the lead. So then we look to the Commonwealth of Virginia, and we look at the two new coaches there, uh, Brent Pry, Tony Elliott. And they were both taking over difficult situations uh, for slightly different reasons, of course. Um, EVA started off tremendously last year, 6-2. and two. They lost their last four games of the season. Then Bronco Mendenhall resigned, kind of surprisingly. I, I think he surprised everyone with that decision. And so they uh, UVA ends up hiring Tony Elliott uh, from Clemson, Clemson's offensive coordinator. And, you know, he had a lot of personnel changes. There were a lot of transfers. So he had a lot of holes in his roster he had to fill. He tried to, he tried to fill his offensive line through the transfer portal, which uh, has not been a success so far. So they're, they're not off to the best start. Uh, I mean, they're only two, their two wins have been over Richmond, and they kicked a last-second field goal to beat Old Dominion. Uh, you, you know, you go a couple hours down the road to Blacksburg, to Virginia Tech. Brent Pry is off to a two and three start, which is, you know, not, not surprising. He, uh, Matthew I, I, will back me up that anyone who was kind of following this program knew there were a lot of holes on the roster. So there was not a lot to work with there. Uh, all that being said, I don't know that we have seen anything that uh, has exceeded expectations either. In Blacksburg, um, yeah, there was a win over Boston College uh, and a win over Wofford, but there was a loss to Old Dominion, uh, uh, a not really close loss to West Virginia, and then a blowout loss to UNC yesterday. Again, these things aren't surprising necessarily, but you know, for for those of us who are Tech fans, we were hoping to have a little bit better expectations. Another aspect uh, for both programs is recruiting. Uh, currently, Virginia Tech's uh, recruiting class is 41st, according to the 24-7 composite rankings, and UVA is the 70th ranked uh, class. Uh, you know, obviously, Virginia Tech is much higher up, and uh, there were, you know, there's so many relationships in Virginia that Brent Pry's been working on. But still, to be 41, I, I mean, that that could have been a Justin Puente class easily. So I think. You know, I think there are a lot of alumni who are expecting, uh, you know, an improved class. And, and UVA at 70, uh, I mean, my goodness, uh, that's that's not great. I mean, you know, I'm sure they'll get some more signees and work their way up a little bit. And I'll add the obvious caveat that we saw last year in the ACC title game that, uh, you know, in the matchup of Pitt and Wake Forest, these were not, you know, these were not two schools with, you know, the highest rate of recruiting classes in ACC, of course. So that's not necessarily determinative, but it's it, it's not the best sign either. So uh, obviously, it's too soon to determine what will happen with uh, you know, any of these coaches. You know, they need time. Um, you know, they need recruiting classes. But uh, I think that's kind of where we are with those guys right now. Yeah, really, really good. Um, <clears throat> 
you know, thoughts there, Brent. And and one thing, this is kind of national. Uh, what did you think of the Paul Christ firing at Wisconsin? Uh, really successful coach there, you know, coming off a nine-win season. Um, you know, he's he's been a perennial top 25 team at Wisconsin. And, uh, yeah, they, they have a, you know, it's a slow start at Wisconsin this year, you know, by their standards. Uh, 0-2 in, in the Big Ten, but uh, that firing kind of came out of the blue. And, you know, I, I don't think that's a good move. Uh, I'm, <laughs> um, I definitely don't think that Wisconsin was a program in, in, in severe decline. But, you know, maybe they looked at it like Ohio State and uh, Michigan had pulled too far ahead. But, I mean, what do you – what do you think of like a coach like that getting, getting canned? I mean, you know, it's clear with some of the ACC coaches, you know, it was inevitable Collins was going to get fired with, with his start. Uh, Satterfield is in, is in big trouble, but you know, these are, these are coaches who, who've lost a lot of games. Uh, I, I think a lot of ACC teams would be thrilled to have a coach with the record Paul Christ had. Yeah, that was a surprising uh, that was a surprising decision on my part. I, I certainly you would think he would get the full season, um, and you know, obviously he had the one season at Pitt. But I was I was really taken aback by that. That 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 seemed to be jumping the gun a little bit. I I mean I you would think he's earned the benefit of the doubt and would have you know earned the right to try to turn things around. Uh, obviously they had a tough loss to Illinois yesterday. They had a tough loss to Pitt, but uh, I'm, I'm sorry, to Ohio state, but my goodness, that, that really seemed to be jumping the gun to me a little bit. And again, maybe, maybe it's the fact that so many coaches are getting, um, um, you know, these exorbitant salaries, but, uh, that was not what I would have expected. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. All right, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you now for the last couple questions in the podcast. Yes, uh, Brent, I don't believe we talked about this too much unless I I missed it, but if we're looking at national FBS games and stuff like that, which one are you looking forward to this week? And this can be anything that you want any any game that you're looking at from the national schedule it could be a group of five it could be national it could be national national game a national game heck it could be an fcs matchup that you're interested with what what are you interested on the schedule this week outside of the acc well i'm following game day i'm uh tcu in kansas uh, this, I mean, who would have thought that, gosh, even three weeks ago, we'd be talking about this being a game day site, you know, and it has never been a game day site before. Uh, we're, we're talking about two teams that are, you know, two teams that are undefeated. Uh, Kansas, I mean, my goodness, we're talking about a, a, a school that has, uh, not been to a bowl game at 12 or 13 years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, TC obviously is a program that has much more history, but they've fallen on some hard times recently, and they they seem to have been rejuvenated, uh, you know, under Sonny Dykes. Uh, they've really just taken off in the last, you know, offensively. We saw what they did to Oklahoma yesterday. 
Kansas, uh, they, they finally got a coaching hire right, it seems, with Lance Leopold. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how long he sticks around. Uh, if he, uh, you know, if this is his last year at Kansas or if he goes somewhere else. But who would have, I, I, I'm just, you know, I just kind of marveling at this. Uh, you know, if you were talking about a Big 12 matchup, a must watch next week. You'd think the Red River shootout, of course, and uh, Texas and Oklahoma are kind of limping into that. I just don't think anyone would have been talking about Kansas and TCU. And that's that that's something outside the ACC I'm going to be watching and love to hear what you guys are thinking on that. Okay, so here's what I'll say, and, and Jeff's going to laugh at this, and you'll, you'll probably chuckle at this a little bit, but... Jimbo Fisher's team is is going is going on the road to Alabama, and there was a lot. There's been there's probably a lot of little trash talk between the two two teams over the off season. You know where Nick Saban was basically saying Texas A&M's buying their players, <laughs> buying their players and stuff. And Texas A&M is, I mean, Jimbo Fisher is going to walk into that. They're probably going to lose. I'll say it now. They're going to lose, right? And I'm not going out on a limb when I say that. When they're going to go to Alabama and they're just going to get, I think they're going to get, I think they're honestly going to get drilled. And Jimbo Fisher is making $9 million a year, and he's probably going to end up, I looked at their schedule. I mean, perhaps you guys can correct, you know, if you have an opportunity take a look at their schedule yourself, but I, I don't think, I think they're probably going to end up 500. And I don't know of too many coaches who've made $9 million a year in the SEC and have gone 500. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous and it's kind of good work if you can get it, I guess. But I think Texas A&M fans were probably looking for more than that when they hired Jimbo Fisher. I think the other one that I would be looking at, actually, I, I'm, I'm looking at Utah and UCLA. I think that's actually going to be a, hap, a pretty decent game. I think, I, I think UCLA looks like they're turning a, turning a, cor turning a corner there. But what, what are your thoughts on that, Brent? Yeah, I, UCLA took care of Washington uh, and who, who would have figured that uh, uh, who would have figured that it would take Chip Kelly this long to kind of turn the corner but it seems to be the case I think Florida took a little bit of grief too much grief in the AP when they lost uh, you know the opening week to Florida they deserve the benefit of the doubt for that I think and uh, I, I you know tough environment first week of the season um, I that is a great matchup. Uh, it, it, it it's really interesting to see that as U Utah's you know rising to the top of the Pac-12, and you know UCLA seems to be ascendant. Yeah, and, and UCLA and um, Southern Cal are getting ready to go to the Big Ten. Utah seems well poised to be at the top of the Pac-12 for the foreseeable future. So I, I, I like that pick actually. I think you're right to signal that game out for, uh, you know, for, for some eyes. Jeff, what do you think about Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher? <laughs> Man, I, <laughs> they're, they're going to get drugged by Alabama this weekend. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, with everything in place at, at Texas A&M, um, 
there is absolutely no reason for them to be as bad as they are. Uh, you know, they should have, we know what happened against app state. Uh, then we saw what happened this weekend against Mississippi state. They should have lost to Miami. My, we know what Miami is about and Miami outplayed them. If they could do anything in the red zone, they would have lost that game too. Um, you know, I, I don't know what they do though, because I think it's pretty clear you've got a limitation with with Jimbo, and and we saw that at Florida State minus the. I mean, you, you okay, you got to give him credit for winning a national championship no matter what, and he put that team together. Uh, you know that incredibly talented team in in 2013. So I mean, you can't take that away from him at absolutely at all, but I mean. It, he's very much looking kind of like Mac Brown, where it was just a year where everything in the stars all aligned, uh, but he's never been able to get anything close to it. And yeah, I, I think this is this is one of those games that's getting a, it's going to get a lot of hype because of the back and forth. But I think it's it, it's going to be a route from the get go. Honestly, I, I think it would be in. You know, some of the other games that you all mentioned, like UCLA and, and Utah and the Florida State, NC State games, you've got BYU, Notre Dame, um, that, um, the TCU, Kansas game, uh, I think are a lot more intriguing nationally. Uh, I would probably put that Alabama, Texas A&M game, probably like the fifth or sixth best game of the weekend. It's I, I agree <laughs> with you, Jeff. I mean, I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering whether – the, you know, whether they're going to get defeated so bad that that they offer Jimbo a buyout. <laughs> <laughs> because they're crazy there. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, I know it's gonna it would cost them a lot, but, I mean, they're, you know, I, I think Texas A&M, you know, they get drug in that game and, and, and go on and have like a 7-5 and five type season. I mean, I think they'll find a way to come up with the money. So I went to I went to Jimbo's first game at A and M. Uh, it was in August of 2018. They beat Northwestern State 59 to seven, as you would expect them to do. And I was talking to an alum, and this was in College Station. I was talking to an alum, and Jimbo had signed his you know 10 year 75 million dollar contract. So I, I remember the guy saying, you know, I hope he I hope he proves he's worth seven and a half million, which course in 2022 dollars is not you know not, not <laughs> i know it's quite as remarkable today as it was then but i remember that alum telling me something else um he was like you know if this doesn't work out we've got the money and one of the things that i looked up after that was the endowments of both schools and clearly uh, yeah, obviously there's you know segregation between the academic side of an endowment and the athletic side and all that but, you know, the University of Texas system is regularly competing with Harvard and Yale for, you know, having the largest endowment. And Texas A&M is pretty close. Um, they have, you know, there, there's a lot of money and, you know, oil fields there. And, I mean, they have a lot of, you know, they have a lot of stocks, you know, given by alums and that sort of thing. So, you know, Jeff, kind of to your point, if they're not happy after this season, they will make it work. Uh, I don't think we're at that point yet. If they lose a game 52 to 10 this weekend, you know, you start to look down that you can see that you can see the end game there. Uh, so I, I, I think this is a, th this could be an inflection point for both Jimbo and Texas A&M football. 
Oh, and he's making nine million a year now, so he got a raise. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Yeah, I just saw that. Anyway, it's good work if you can get it. I mean, I mean, he he's he's on the uh, Mel Tucker pay plan, right? <laughs> right. The Bobby Bonilla extended time uh, pay, payment plan, right? But just in a shorter time frame and lots of money. Well done. Well done. Okay, so Brent, what is your favorite hair metal band? The floor is yours. You're you're probably going to think this is cliche because I know you're such a uh, hair metal guy, but uh, I, I I I'm a big Motley Crue guy. Yes, I, I have been. I have been since you know Doctor Feelgood, you know in '89. Kickstart My Heart is probably the ultimate running, uh, you know, the, the ultimate running, you know, uh, playlist track, you know, when you need to like have, have that little extra boost, it, you know, just, it, you know, it, it just takes off. Um, they actually performed in the DC area uh, late June. Uh, it was, you know, incredible show. Uh, I, I will say actually, kind of randomly uh my my wife and i saw them uh well, well we didn't see you know we didn't see everyone but uh we saw some of their roadies and it's clear that uh they have lived that uh hair metal life uh which i matthew i'm sure you can appreciate but still they rocked out they i mean i mean they've been rocking out for you know 35 plus years so they're my matthew i also, I want to give an honorable mention to Dream Theater, uh, a little bit of a special place in my heart. I know what you're talking. You'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, in the 2001-2002 uh, uh, Virginia Tech uh, uh, intro video, back when uh, video boards were first placed in Castle Coliseum, uh, Dream Theater was the backing track to the uh, intro video, the intro video for the team before introductions. I know you can speak to that. So again, they are uh, they always have a soft spot in my heart. Outstanding, outstanding. Open microphone time, Brent. The floor is yours. Well, you know, guys, it, yeah, it's it's funny. Here we are uh, in early March, and you know, it's it, this is the last season of division football play and the ACC, and uh, as has been the case for the last decade, uh, we're, we're, we're facing coastal chaos. Uh, everyone uh, everyone seems to have a chance. I'm very partial to Virginia Tech, of course. I don't know. I think they have less of a chance along with UVA, but they still have a chance. And I'm really wondering how we will view ACC football in the future once we no longer have divisions. As somebody who roots for a team in the Coastal Division, I'm probably going to look back with a lot of nostalgia and, and really miss this era. But I can see, you know, I can see why we made, made the decision to move away from divisions, move to a different format. But it does, it does add a lot of excitement each week, knowing that no matter if your team is uh, two and two in the Coastal in late, in late October, you still have a chance. I'm also uh, Matthew. I, I know you're, you're you're like me. You're you're a big basketball guy. I'm just really, uh, you know, basketball season still you know still tips off in about six weeks or so, give or take. 
just very excited to see what happens this year. Uh, obviously, Virginia Tech won the ACC tournament last year. I, I wasn't sure I would ever see that in my life. Uh, UNC came within a few minutes of winning a national title last year after you know losing to Pitt in late February. Duke, for the first time in a generation, maybe two, you know, a generation, half, two generations, has new leadership. Uh, really, I, I'm just really excited to see what happens in ACC basketball this year. I, there's, there are so many compelling storylines. I am really excited to see what happens here. But again, we've got several weeks, yeah, a lot of football to be played. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. So uh, that, 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 that's, that's what's on my mind right now. Well said, Brent. Jeff, you're up. Yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't talked much about about Clemson, uh, you know, on the on this podcast, and so I wanted to mention them uh, a, a little bit. You know, the the ACC it looks like it's going to again run through through Clemson uh, the last two weeks. And I, I don't, this is the thing. I don't think they've played their best football yet. I mean, they, they beat NC state last night uh, with still without two of their better defensive linemen. Uh, Brian uh, Brzee was not available for the game and, and Xavier Thomas has yet to play this year. Um, and you saw what they did and, and, and Brent mentioned it, uh, you know, beating wake forest, a really formidable team last week, and they haven't having to do that with their offense. DJ uh, Uyangalale seems to really be coming coming into his own uh, as a quarterback. And then yesterday, uh, the defense really ground uh, NC State's rushing game uh, to a halt. I think they had like 34, 35 yards uh, rushing. So. I mean, here we go. Here we go again. And and Dabo is getting his team to trend in the right direction, you know, starting with that October time frame. Uh, I, I don't think you'll you'll see at any point this year where where Clemson will kind of have that explosive offense that we saw under, you know, the the even with Taj Boyd and throwing it to Sammy Watkins and Deshaun watsons and and the trevor lawrences they they just don't have those kind of receivers uh that they had during those years you know there's there's no um freshman justin ross uh when he was at that level or mike williams or, or like i said the sammy watkins they just don't have that that kind of elite uh game breaker at at wide receiver i mean but what we're starting what we're starting to see now is, is an offense that's a little bit more ball control than we've seen from them in the past, you know, but enough where they can get up and down the field, you know, pretty consistently. Shipley's a very tough runner. Um, DJ's getting getting uh, yards on the ground and, and, and playing better. I, I think he's taken hold of this team uh, where he's absolutely cemented himself as the number one uh, quarterback. And then I, I think you'll see the defense improve. Um, you know, it was expected to be an elite defense. I, I don't think that we've really seen that, and and we may not during the course of the year. But we had to remember what that Wake Forest is is you know maybe the best top to bottom offense in the conference, maybe even more so than than North Carolina. I mean, Hartman and those wide receivers, you know, that I think they're they're going to light up a lot of teams this year. 
Um, and then Clemson had to rely on their offense to win that game. So, you know, here they are trending in the right direction. And, you know, out there in the national media, you hear saying, oh, well, they beat NC State, who barely beat East Carolina type thing. And they struggled with Wake Forest. But, I mean, look nationally and, and, and tell me about Georgia, who trailed in the fourth quarter to a terrible Missouri team. Um, you know, ask about Alabama, who needed a, a last-second field goal to beat a mediocre Texas team. Uh, Ohio State trailed late in the second half against a, a Notre Dame team at home that lost to to Marshall. So, you know, you know, find me a, a top six or seven team that doesn't have some some warts on there, and you know, you can see where where Clemson can can start approaching that, especially if the if that defense becomes what we still think it can be talent wise, and they they come back with those players. Uh, so. You know, they've got two top 15 t- wins uh, on their resume. I don't think anyone else in the country has has done that because, you know, like I said, you're going to see Wake Forest win a lot of games this year. Uh, NC State is going to be a 9, 10, 11 win type team. That's a good that's a good ball club, too. So, uh, you know, there's still there's still tough games left on Clemson's schedule. I think Florida State, the game there later in the year could be really tricky. Um, Syracuse, um, we talked about them a little bit on the podcast Uh they always give Clemson a hard time. And then of course there's still the game at Notre Dame, um, which, which is tricky, but you know, Clemson trending up, struggled a little bit early in, in the, in the season, didn't show everything, you know, that early in that first half with, with Georgia tech in close game in the third quarter. And here they go starting, starting to trend upward. So, you know, what we were hearing about the demise of the the Clemson program, uh, yeah, not not so fast on that one. Fair enough, Jeff. Yeah, I agree with you. We haven't talked about Clemson too much, and you're absolutely spot on. Hey, Brent, I just have a brief brief question for you. Do you watch college hockey at all? I do occasionally. Yes. This year, North Dakota has only seven new players coming in. There are 20 returning lettermen that came in. Last year, North Dakota had four. It is rare that you see a, a, a Division I team bring in 14 new players, and that was last year when, when there's no coaching change. But last season they had to do that because there was a combination of like several players that signed pro contracts and you know, and that's that sort of thing. And people that were finishing their eligibility, players that were finishing their eligibility. But there are only seven new players on North Dakota's team this this season, and that's the fewest of any team in the NCHC. Which, for hockey heads, they remember that about half of the NCHC used to be part of the WCHA when North Dakota, Wisconsin, and Minnesota were in the same conference when it was when it went to the border rivalries that they that they had in college hockey and the players that North Dakota uh, are bringing in are either are three of them are NHL draft picks and four of them played in the mine in the minor league in the USA minor league. So to have they, but they, the short of it is that North Dakota has 20 returning lettermen coming back for their hockey team this year. And I, I think North Dakota is going to be good all year long wire to wire and it will be it'll be like this like the days when north dakota was winning titles i think they're going to be that good this year if you recall i know you watch the caps brent i know you know who tj oshi is he played for the university of north dakota uh yes i'm very much aware 
Yeah, I I think uh, I I think this may be uh, I think yeah I think this may be a return to uh, uh, the teams of yore for you all. I I would be just given the amount of returning talent. I think I think North Dakota is very well positioned. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, Brent. Thanks for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. It was fun having you on here talking about ACC and national college football, and we would love to have you come back on the show again sometime. Guys, uh, Jeff, Matthew, thank you so much. Always love listening to you all and love these discussions. And uh, can't can't wait for next weekend. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun this whole season. And then we'll be in a basketball season. So, guys, uh, thank you for all you do. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great week, guys. Thanks for joining, Brent. All right, bye, guys. Bye-bye.